for the Assyrian people. He doesn't agree with God's plan for saving the people of Nineveh. Uh, the people of Nineveh were a nasty bunch of folk, and he didn't agree for God's uh, redemption plan. And uh, we see him running away. We see him uh, sleeping when storms are hitting on the boat that he uses to escape at Joppa, uh, to run away from God's plans. And we see really a real indication of God's, of Jonah's heart reluctance. We see his heart being asleep to God's heart, uh, as I shared last week, and not awake. We see the storm's fierceness and the sailor's cries didn't move him. He slept through both. Uh, we read of that in Jonah 1. And we see God's mercy at work as well. And that the sailors directed their hearts to the Lord at the end of chapter 1. But also, uh, the Lord, when he scooped up and saved Jonah in the sea as well, when they flung Jonah over. So there's a mercy story in the mix as well. So we reach chapter 2, in the belly of a fish. And that's what I've called this morning's talk, in the belly of a fish in chapter 2. So before I read the passage, I've researched a little bit. I've had my research team onto this this last week. There's very little of this happening these days. You'd be surprised to hear. Uh, but, but, one man in the U.S. claims he was swallowed and spat out 40 seconds later by a whale uh, a couple of years ago. So, uh, it's disputable. And also, one Spanish man in 2016 who went missing at sea claims he was swallowed by a whale and stayed there for three days and three nights which sounds vaguely familiar <laughs> to the passage that we've read and is wildly contested as well. So uh, anyway, for Jonah in the belly of a whale, you can just think, just picture it, try to imagine what it would be like. Uh, I'm thinking darkness. I'm thinking the stench would be stomach churning. I'm thinking kind of rotten fish. I'm thinking... Uh, guts and bleh, just that that's the word I put down just bleh. it would have been the worst place for all your senses a place of utter deep guttural hopelessness and in a lot of ways we maybe have had belly in the fish seasons or periods in our lives just like Jonah of darkness of hopelessness and we can resonate with that just a, a stench as we go through each day of, gosh, what's the way forward here? What's the way forward? Stuck. Perhaps some of us here this morning are in that place right now. I want in this moment to offer this passage as God's hope this morning. That God is still with us in these times and he hasn't abandoned us even when we feel we have abandoned him or ran away from him. R.T. Kendall, who's a, a well-known U.S. pastor and author, says, The belly of a fish is not a happy place to live, but it is a good place to learn. Still, God is still there in those seasons. There's still opportunities in those seasons. So take that picture that we've painted in the belly of a fish to help us, and let's read chapter 2. Let's read chapter 2. And I'm going to ask uh, Sue, would you be our Bible distributor? Because you're right next to the table. And, oh, we've got some batteries as well. I'm going to do a quick battery. Let's give a wee cheer for Sue. If you don't have a Bible.
brilliant. And a wee thank you to Gavin as well for providing the batteries. Brilliant. Let me pray before we read God's word, and it will be up on the screen as well. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in this space this morning. I don't know about anyone else, but that worship, it just felt heavy with God's presence. And I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us, continue to move among us. We invite you into our hearts, into our minds, into our situations. Thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Amen. Amen. I want to humbly make three observations from this passage this morning, uh, which I hope will help us through in the tough times in our lives that we can learn from Jonah. And the first thing I want to share is the positioning of prayer in our panic. The positioning of prayer in our panic. I've been thinking a little bit of uh, moments of panic and significant moments of panic in my life and the positioning of prayer. Uh, and it's challenging just to reflect on that, but I can think of two moments uh, in my lifetime where uh, the positioning of prayer and my panic was, was just vital. And the first thing I can think of was our, our eldest son, who was born eight years ago now, uh, which is wild. And he was born, and it was a scary time. He was sent to uh, the special unit right away. He had some problems. He had a wee infection. And I remember just in this moment of utter joy of becoming a father and then him being taken to uh, the special unit for uh, antibiotics and everything and leaving Mary and, uh, and Joshua at the time at the hospital. And I remember driving home and just, just crying and just saying, Lord, what, what's going on? What's going on? And I remember chatting to a friend at the time on the phone and I said, I just started speaking, and then it kind of just turned into not speaking, but just like sobbing, just like sobbing. I don't know what to do. I think that's kind of what came out, but it was just, it was just tears and, and crying out, and, and he prayed, and we prayed together, and uh, Joshua was in for, I think, 10 days or something, and then he was back home. But I remember that moment of panic, just like, Lord, what's going on? I need your help in this. I don't understand it. I need you. 
And then I remember as well a, a moment in the bank back when I was uh, in the financial services industry and I was uh, becoming a mortgage advisor. I started as a banking advisor and I had this opportunity to become a mortgage advisor. I'd done all my exams and uh, I was ready for this promotion to, to go into this new role. And at that moment, uh, the week before or something, I was told, we're delaying it. We need you in the other branch. We need you in the other branch to help out banking with the in your banking advisor role so we need you to stay in that role and I was like oh lord what do I do like and I ended up speaking to the regional manager I kind of had this brave phone call and I said I'm not going to do that I've been waiting ages for this this is my destiny I didn't say that this is this very movie see we're in the cinema this is what's causing me to speak like this but I was just like this is I'm meant to be doing mortgage advising I have served and helped and at every point I have a I have been available, but this is where I'm meant to go. And I remember putting the phone down, <laughs> and I was shaking. And I was like, Lord, after praying before, I was like, Lord, please let that be the right thing I've done. This is like my boss's boss's boss. And I kid you not, within 10 seconds of, uh, of putting the phone down, he phoned right back up, and he apologized. And I remember being in the office, and he's like, you're so right, Thomas, and I'm so sorry. We'll sort something else. And so I just remember those two moments of being in panic, the positioning of prayer. Uh, it's important. It's important. I remember plenty of times in the last week even where my positioning of prayer is way down the pecking order. We can rationalize. We can make a plan. We can think logically. We can think in practical terms. We can think what needs done. We can adopt uh, the fixer role. Anyone else a fixer? Just wants to get in there and fix. I know the solution. I need to dive straight into that what I can do in my limited ability rather than I know what God can do through me or even without me in his unlimited nature and being. Positioning of prayer in our panic is evident here for Jonah. And it's actually a curveball when we think about it in chapter one. He's running away. He's running away. Often the belly of a fish moments can help us realign and remember who God is and what's important. His first words, he prayed, in my distress, I called to the Lord. In my distress, I. Or the message version says, in trouble, deep trouble, I. And we think of the last week or the last season in our lives. How would we honestly answer the in my distress, I moments? In trouble, deep trouble, I. How would we fill the gap? In my distress, I had to have a couple of glasses of wine. In my distress, I tried to sort it out myself. In my distress, I got angry with the kids. In my distress, I shut myself away from my wife. In my distress, I treated myself to something at the shops. What mechanisms do we use to self-soothe or to find the answer? in our distress, in our trouble, where there is a reminder here in the troubled times, in the stress and the distress, there is a reminder to pray. Because when we pray, he hears us. When we pray, God knows. So the first challenge at the very beginning of this chapter is where are we positioning prayer in our panic? Even if we know how to fix it, for us fixers here, are we first in going to our, our loving Father to lead us in the right direction? 
to lead us to the solution. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's challenging. The brilliant C.S. Lewis said this, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. Perhaps there's a call to shove it back this morning for God to stir us in our wake-ups the first thing in the day. Martin Luther King had a puppy. He got a little puppy uh, back in the day. And he said this of the puppy, oh, if I could only pray the way this dog watches the meat. <laughs> I love that. I love that. If I could only pray the way that this dog watches the meat, or I'd like to say in our current situation, if I could only pray the way that my son watches the bottle, <laughs> the bottle of milk, eyes fixated. There's nothing else that matters. All the dog's thoughts are concentrated on this piece of meat. Otherwise, he has no thought, wish, or hope. What a picture. Locked in vision. I want to encourage us to lock it in, church. Lock it in. Our focus into prayer. The position of prayer. In panic, but also in general, in life. So that's the first thing I want to draw from the passage, the challenge of positioning our prayer in our panic. The second thing I want to look at is learning to lament, learning to lament. Now, we could do a whole, I'm touching upon this very quickly, but we could do a whole sermon series on lament, and perhaps it would be really useful to journey that at some point. But lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Jonah, in this passage, prays a lament. So a lament is a prayer that calls for help out of a place of pain. And I love, in the, I encourage you to head to the 24-7 website. There's incredible resources on prayer, on lament, and how we pray. There's the prayer course, which is readily available as well. Just brilliant resources. And inside uh, these resources, there's a brilliant description here that I want to read. It is here in lament, we must remember that pain is not the enemy. Pain is pain. Pain needs to be expressed. For pain that is not expressed can never be transformed. And pain that is not transformed will be transmitted. Lamenting teaches us to pray out a place of honesty. We're real about where we're at. And we're real in the moment how we feel. Lamenting is an act of faith. It's trusting God to hear us even when we seem in the darkest of places. Lamenting teaches us that there are things that are bigger than us that we don't or can't understand. And the ultimate comfort in that is that God is with us. God is with us in that. First and foremost, before all else, these passages of lament that we read we read in this chapter, we read in the Psalms, we read in the book of Job, Job, is to convey first and foremost, he is with us in our pain. I remember uh, a movie from years ago called I Love You Man. And the story of this movie, this, this guy gets married and he doesn't have any friends. 
and he realizes, I don't have a best man. I need to find the best man. And he befriends this guy, and they become friends, and they go to, I think it's in a motorway or under a bridge, and they have this moment where they stand under the bridge, the both of them, and his new friend is encouraging him. He can see that stuff's just pent up inside him, and he encourages him, just scream, shout, do this, and he goes under the bridge, and he goes, ah, and just like screams out everything within him, and he says, I come here when I just need to let it out, and he encourages his friend to do it, and his friend starts going, bah, he's like, no, 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 try again, ah, no, 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 try it, and then all of a sudden, he just lets, lets everything out, he lets everything out, to let out all, everything that's built up, all the anxieties, and that scene just stuck, it stuck for me, having that space with God to let go of everything that builds up inside us. Because it has to go somewhere to lament, to be real with the pain, to say, I struggle with this. Uh, actually, I, I do struggle with lament. I do. I do. And the danger is that if we don't let it out, as it said in that quote, what did it say about uh, if it's not transformed, it'll be transmitted. Where do, where do we put that? Where do we put our pain? I think we all, at certain times, perhaps struggle to find spaces for it to go. Can I encourage us to either dwell on that passage afresh this week in our times with the Lord or just to focus and to make a commitment and just being really, really real in our times with God? And He can take it and not to be afraid of that. And I know in the times that I bear my soul to the Lord and I'm real and find those spaces in my weeks, I feel lighter. It's not that the pain's gone away or the tough times have gone away, but I feel more calm and peaceful and journeying the tough stuff. But I know I don't do it enough. 24 7 prayer it continues to say this in the in the website receive the lament passages of the bible as a rare treasure helping you speak out holy words when you don't have your own as you do you will be slowly become aware contrary to how impossible it currently seems that god can do something with the brokenness of your life beyond what you can imagine he will turn what seems irreversible into a message of resilient hope there's a line isn't there there's a line as we follow Jesus, as we ask for more of his spirit, that he will turn what seems irreversible into a message of resilient hope. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every single person here, for the things that we have called or declared that's irreversible, that you would come into them right now. And that we'd, you, we would be reminded that you can turn all things. You can transform all things. And that you would just deposit hope into our beings, Lord. But it continues, that resilience will only be formed in us after we have prayed ourselves through the process of pain. That's why the holy laments of the Bible are God's gift to us. We're going to do something a wee bit different just now. I'd love to lead us through a Lectio Divina just on this passage. And just to read the passage, I'm going to read the passage. And just for you to follow my instructions as we read the passage, we're going to read it a couple of times. And we're just going to bring our lives before the Lord afresh. So uh, why don't you could either close your eyes or just 
I'll just be in this moment. Lord, we thank you you're here. And I'm going to begin just by reading the passage. And the first time, just get a feel for it. Well, hopefully you got a feel for it the very first time I read it. But just get a feel for the passage. And then the second time I read it, just ask the Holy Spirit for a word or a sentence that jumps out. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I had been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now this time, just look for a word or a sentence that jumps out to you. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever, but you Lord my God brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now just stay in that space just now and just meditate on that word or that verse that the Lord's just highlighted to you. I want to ask, is there an invitation from the Lord? Is there a call from the Lord? Does a memory maybe surface? What comes to mind? What feelings are evoked in that moment? I'm just going to have a moment of silence and just take your time and allow God to speak to you in the depths of your soul. And just to notice that God is speaking to you personally about your life right now. So we'll just have a, a little moment of quiet.
from the words that God is speaking to you. Take a moment to respond to God. What is your response right now? What's your prayer? Allow the words to come from a place deep within where the Spirit dwells. our souls to rest in the loving embrace of your maker. Words are never sufficient to express all that stirs within us and to simply be present to the sacred one to savor this space. I'm just going to read it one final time. In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So this passage... uh, we see a, a learning moment in lament. And hopefully we can take that as a little tool maybe to use in our times with the Lord. And then just finally to close, the reassurance at the end of our ropes. Uh, the end of verse 6, the second part of verse 6. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. From the depths, he scoops us up. For Jonah, when all hope was lost, he was saved. When he was at the end of himself, there was God. And the message version says, I was as far down as a body can go, yet you pulled me up from that grave alive. Everything was lost, but God breathed life. I was in the grave, you pulled me up. When I was done with me, you weren't done with me. Just want to encourage us, there is more. If you're not dead, God's not done. He has a plan. There is hope this morning. For Jonah, he begins running. He ends up sleeping. He looks like he's dying. And he ends this chapter worshiping, calling out in thanksgiving. Wow, what a turnaround. And we believe in a turnaround God. We believe in a God who can transform any situation. Now, I can't actually see an, an I'm sorry moment from Jonah, which we'll unpack later as we journey this series. But What we do see is an obedience. What we do see is, I'm at the end of myself here, God, and I need you. Matthew 5, uh, the message version says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. A perspective shifter. 
a truth bringer, back to ground, a leveler and a heart setter. How many of us need that reassurance this morning? Perhaps some of us are in the depths right now and need reminded that God isn't done. God isn't done. So the positioning of our prayer in our panic, where is it? Lord, would you do what only you can do as we leave this space, as we go into our Monday mornings? That's where the rubber hits the road. I just pray for our Monday mornings, Lord, that you would stir us in the positioning of our prayer in our panic. Learning to lament, Lord, would you help us this week or this season that we're in to be real with our pain with you, Lord. And a reassurance at the end of our rope. Lord, we believe that when we are at our weakest, you are at your strongest. So we bring you our weakness afresh. Why don't we all stand together? We were praying this morning. <laughs> and uh, somebody prayed, Lord, we pray this morning is like a party. We celebrate the last Sunday in the cinema. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm speaking about lament. But it's important, isn't it? It's important. What isn't transformed will be transmitted. Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, into every part of us, Lord. Every part afresh. Every part to become. To become. Thank you, you make all things new. Thank you, you're a God who can transform every situation from the depths. From the depths, from the darkness, from the smelly, dungeony, dark parts, Lord. That you can bring life in its fullness. So we invite you into those places, Lord.